Welcome to Teching Ball, celebrating our independence by speaking with a foreigner. I'm Buck. I'm a person. That was terrible, but <laughs> let's jump <laughs> right in. terrible. You, you think it's awful that I speak to you? Yes. Uh, you know, a lot of racist people would agree, but I think it's perfectly okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I think so too. But anyway, you, you see, you have made me find common ground with racist people. But anyway... Um, let's jump right into the podcast. What's our first story? Okay, so I've got a story here about um, a robot in a VW plant in Germany uh, mm-hmm. actually killed a worker. And yeah, I read about that. This is, you know, it's not extremely big news, except it kind of came a, it kind of became an, a big internet thing when a woman named Sarah O'Connor had the misfortune of tweeting it. Oh, 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 I see. Terminator, nice. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, so, this is a bit tragic, so I shouldn't be saying the word nice. So I apologize for that, but I see the reference, though. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people saw this reference and, and started tweeting. Uh, at the time I was checking this last, it had 11,500 retweets and almost 7,000 favorites. And this woman is, is just basically... You know, begging people, hey, stop it! You know, I, I, a man died here. This isn't a big joke, and you know, people are just having their fun, basically. Wow. Yeah, <sighs> and this, this poor lady has not even seen the Terminator movies and doesn't know what Skynet is and doesn't get why everyone's tweeting her about it. She should obviously watch the latest one, which I've heard is pretty terrible, by the way, Terminator Genesis. Yeah. Well, uh, a lot of people felt that she was part of a viral uh, marketing campaign for that movie. Uh, oh, actually, that might be right. Yeah, I actually hadn't thought of the cynical angle yet. That is 100% not right. <laughs> How do you know? She they, might be putting on a very good act. Uh, <laughs> she she might be, but that's not how you would do it. They, her name is O'Connor, not Connor. Uh, they. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, the... That would be really fast for them to take advantage of someone dying, and that would be really terrible. Actually, tend yeah. To, yeah, they tend to either avoid doing this or make an apology afterward. That's true. All right, I guess. Yeah, this is not guerrilla marketing as I thought it was, but okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't seem to have been guerrilla marketing. She was uh, actually begging people like, "Stop following me. I I am a boring person." She basically, you know, tweets about like workers' rights and wages and stuff all the time. Oh, I see, I see, I see. And so she's like tweeting like, "Oh my god, you know, this guy died. You know, probably due to you know poor safety in the plant or something." And mm-hmm. and they're uh, and we are here. We are making are tweeting about this as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Although VW uh, did say that that they checked and the robot uh, doesn't seem to have malfunctioned, and the, you know, just, the guy hmm. the guy was installing it, and so he was within the kind of unsafe area to be near the operation of the robot, and it you know, must have made a mistake or something. Oh, that's yeah, that's a terrible thing to happen, but yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, that was pretty. I'm glad that she tweets about worker rights and stuff, and it's just unfortunate that people. That's what happens, I guess, on the internet. People are pretty insensitive, so, you know. Yeah, and she's, uh, yeah, she's lucky enough, uh, you know, she she drew the internet attention of a bunch of assholes on Twitter who are, you know, making lots of jokes about a guy dying and, uh, you know, managed not to be driven off the platform. So there's that. Yeah. Well, since we are discussing Twitter, I'll kick off my story with a much more positive story about Twitter. So... Mm-hmm. 
uh, I would like to start with a quote by this Spanish author who said, the only things that United States has given the world are skyscrapers, jazz, and cocktails. And I guess this guy was apparently fond of Cuba. And in Cuba, they make much better cocktails. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, anyway, this guy happened to be... I'm already cringing about what you're about to say. You have no idea. But uh, (laughs) this guy comes from uh, the Spanish, you know, um, hometown of Granada, where there is a small town called Jun, or Hun. It's spelled J-U-N. This is the... Mm-hmm. This is the hometown of uh, Grenadine, right? Uh, I have no clue, and I was not going to refer to that, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> but anyway, this is, right. this local town is pioneering Twitter as a way of administering its public services and basically hosts an annual conference dedicated just to Twitter. So the how mayor- does it How mm-hmm. does it use Twitter for public service administration? You'll have to explain that more. Correct. So basically, well, I'll start with the fact that the mayor is an extreme technophile and has been for the last 16 years, you know, trying to adopt... I, no, ver- don't start with these explanations. How do they do it? Basically, you can access any sort of, uh, you know, public services via Twitter. You can book hospital appointments. You can, you know, schedule cleaning appointments, tweet to the mayor saying that a light is not working. Any sort of these okay. things can be done on Twitter. And everybody, every government employee basically has to have a Twitter handle, essentially. The government does that. So if, if, you're, uh, mm-hmm. if you have an embarrassing medical condition of some sort, you've got to tweet about it to get booked uh, to the hospital. It is not compulsory, but it, if you want okay. something done quick or you want people to respond to it quick, and obviously, you know, you have to say if you have an embarrassing so it's, medical... it's only if you have an embarrassing emergency that it has to be public. Uh, see, this is the sort of trolling which prevents people from making good use of things like Twitter. Well, I mean, people mm-hmm. use it for most things. And actually, the town has been going about it in a very good way. They have been providing, you know, free training to everybody. And most even like older people, I think the article says one of the people who was being trained was as old as 90 years. So that was pretty amazing to me. And the thing is, and they were, you know, asking other people who work in public services, they're like the street sweeper, the cleaner they actually now feel more valued because they feel people respond to their work more and, you know, people actually see what they're doing. So they feel way more appreciated. And what the town did... see how this would work for some things. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it sounds a little sketchy for, for others. <laughs> like what? You like gave the, the example. example. Yeah, I got the embarrassing <laughs> medical condition. And I'm guessing that's not going to be a majority of the hospital cases are going to fall under that. What else can you think of? You want... You generally want medical privacy. So here I'm not saying, so medical appointments is not the only thing you can do through this. And that's one of the things. I'm not saying, you know, you have to do that through it. But there are lots of other services like, you know, the light in your area is not working or some other Mm -hmm. municipal function is not uh, performing properly. You can quickly tweet. And, you know, those guys, at least in that government, it's a very small town, by the way. It's only like uh, around 3,000 to 4,000 residents. So it's pretty small sample, obviously. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, most people have been registering their accounts via the town hall and stuff like that. So I don't know how this would scale on a larger city like, I don't know, San Francisco, Bay for example. And actually, Twitter sent its chief data scientist, who I think is an MIT professor also, to the town to study this model and see how it can be applied to larger places. Because obviously, this would be a very, very good business opportunity for Twitter also. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as I was going to say, uh, this place, I think in the town center or something, they even have a mosaic dedicated to Twitter. And Dick Costello, now the ex-CEO of Twitter, even had his you know fingerprints sort of uh, imprinted there. So uh, they really do love Twitter in that town. Oh, 
Well, uh, that's that's good for my uh, Twitter stock. I haven't sold yet, so uh, yeah, you should you should you know be promoting more towns like these. And uh, I I think actually it's a pretty good idea, you know, uh, making things really fast. I mean, they even tweet during their local town council meetings and stuff like that, and people okay. respond. So I, yeah, I think it's a good the idea. Story is over, Abbas. Story over. No, nope, I think it's very interesting. Actually, I was very surprised <laughs> that people do this. Well, anyway, next one. All right, Abbas, it's time for the Crazy Core question of the week. And this week, I understand you have something too, so let's do a question off. So, you know, for the listeners, whoever's question is stupidest here uh, will win a lunch from the loser. And who votes on this? Uh, we vote on this. Or if we, if we can't decide it between ourselves, perhaps the listeners will have to vote in. Uh, okay, so... We are going to have a vote on who has the stupidest Quora question. Fine, I agree to that. Okay, great. Let's hear your question. Uh, okay, so my question was, uh, why why do the military build muscle if a bullet can kill you instantly? <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, uh, that is not as stupid as my question. I'm sorry. Uh, let me hear your question. For, I thought it was incredibly stupid, but anyway. Okay. My question is, mm-hmm. I am confident that I'm going to build a search engine that will compete with Google, at least in the smallest scale possible first. But for now, I don't know any programming. What should I do? That's not stupid. That's pretty ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm actually first time intrigued to hear what the answers are like. What, what are the answers like? Uh, yeah, so there were 115 answers in total. <laughs> Um, many of them, uh, so I checked, uh, the first five answers or top five, cause you know, they get voted on, Mm -hmm. uh, three of them mentioned the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is the effect where people who Mm -hmm. are incompetent at a, at a particular skill, uh, rate themselves as being much better at it than they really are because they don't know enough to realize how incompetent they are. Okay. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, there was just, just a lot of why, why do you think this, you're really going to have to give us a solid reason to believe you. And I, I actually ended up going into the comments on this one and, uh, oh, you, and arguing you... with someone who agreed. <laughs> I had a very short back and forth where I, where I had made some sarcastic comments, uh, shame about, on you, know, you. shame on you, discouraging a person's ambition. <laughs> By making no, it, was, it was someone who, who uh, put, went in the comments and said, you know, I agree, uh, Google is pretty easy, anyone could beat it, the only reason they're even doing well is because they've you know, kind of got an entrenched market position, and so I you know, sarcastically replied, mm-hmm. yeah, why, why do they even hire so many engineers when their core business is such an easy thing to do? And what did the other person say? Uh, the person said, "Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It's it's stupid. They hire so many people, and uh, you know they hire all these people with PhDs, and PhDs is, having a PhD is no guarantee of smarts." I am glad you reached a consensus very quickly, but uh... yeah, <laughs> no, this yeah, this this guy, yeah, he knew exactly what I was talking about, uh, as as I'm sure did the you know, couple of Google engineers who ended up uh, liking my my comment, but uh, but yeah, I, I thought this was a you know, just just an incredible question to ask. Uh, your question, uh, I actually I've seen I've seen a similar question to the one you said posted many times on Quora to the point where 
Maybe I can't feel its true stupidity anymore because I'm so used to it. That's what I was going to say. Just because you're repeated so many times doesn't mean it's not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Just means people on there are incredibly stupid. But I mean, well, uh, yeah, I I just like to remind our listeners, you know, I I found a a truly unique and inspired stupid question where you know you're just picking up your average stupid question from the meathead section. <laughs> uh, I have to say, it came in my newsletter. I was not scoring Cora for you know any stupid question, but it just sounded so stupid that person would say something like, "Why does military pe- basically why are military people buff if a bullet can kill you anyway? I mean, who's gonna lift the gun?" Uh, but anyway, forget, I was not even going to respond to this, but somebody responded, I guess there are a lot of military types people on Quora have realized, by the way. So one of them gave an extremely detailed answer, which uh, probably passed over the head of the person who posted this in the first place. So yeah, mm-hmm. well anyway, so... I, I just like to say, this is the type of question that Quora feels you'll be interested in. So, you know, the fact that this was emailed to you really says more about you than about Quora. No, I think it was emailed to me because I think I read a couple of military-related questions recently. So that's why this probably came in. But anyway. Uh, and sure, I, sure. Yeah, and I do lift weights, so, you know. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Everyone who's ever met you knows that you lift weights. This is all you talk about. Really? I never realized that. But anyway. I yes. it's, was... it's implicit in everything you say. Oh, I see. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. You, you kind of have a little tick where you know, every few sentences you just stop and kiss your bicep. I don't know if you notice you're doing this. I did idolize Scott Steiner a lot, who used to... This is where I learned the move from, basically. If you ever watch WWE, that is. Well, people who are fans will know exactly what I'm talking about. You being an illiterate, obviously okay. don't, but that's fine. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, Scott this Steiner. This is something I've seen before. This is just a tick that you have. This is the only place I've ever encountered someone doing this. Google Scott Steiner later after we are done with the podcast. All right. <laughs> anyway, what's our next story? Uh, so the next story, I found a, an interesting article on Politico talking about mm-hmm. the right to eavesdrop. And this is what? basically saying, okay. you know, with the, you know, as the Internet of Things is you know, really coming to be, we've got lots of devices in our houses and private spaces that are transmitting information about us to companies and Correct. you know we have really no control over you know what they're sending and and in a lot of ways we can't we don't even know what they're sending mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so what, what they're arguing for is that you know consumers should have a right to be able to eavesdrop on their own data that's being sent from their home and know what's being sent and also you know potentially stop or edit it Okay. And this was, you know, kind of, you know, both for, you know, your own privacy and being able to control what's going on in your own house, as well as, you know, if you've got these lockdown black box devices that are just sending Mm -hmm. encrypted data directly to a company's servers, uh, Mm -hmm. then basically only bad actors are going to figure out how to decrypt and and take advantage of this. It sounds like a very uh, ambiguous and also like a potential legal minefield here. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, it's a tough question, and they they explicitly in the article say, like, we don't have a technical solution for this, we don't know how exactly this would look, but, you know, this is something that we should be figuring out as people's homes just become full of basically little sensors that are sending data to strangers. 
I mean, ultimately, I think it's up to the person, right? Like, if you think a company is going to be giving your information out to bad actors or whatever, just don't buy a device from that company. Uh, you know, that that's easy to say before every device. I know. I, I Again, I agree <laughs> to that also. But then that's how you got to, you know, sort of differentiate by not buying such devices. And ultimately, you will find a company which will come and, you know, promise you to promise to protect your data because they will see that. A lot of people are not buying devices because these de- people do not like these devices because of, you know, these sort of flaws and they can take advantage of that. So, oh, it seems on this issue, you've become the libertarian and I've become the liberal now. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just think people should realize what's not wrong. We should not be legislating on this. Come on. This is like too much. <laughs> oh, they're not but... saying necessarily it should be legislated on. Uh, no, okay, I see what you mean, but have like a, I don't know, bill of rights or whatever you want to call it, like... Um, just just that people um, should should generally be able to do this. Uh, perhaps they were suggesting it should be legislated on, but just, you know, if you're going to have mm-hmm. this stuff in your house, you should be allowed to do this. Uh, but do you think companies would allow something like this? Like, for example, Google is selling some sort of, let's say, some device, right, which then you are now... Uh, you can now control the data from that. How do you know that you wouldn't be giving that data to some other company or something like that? You know, there are some, I think there are a lot of issues around that sort of thing. I, I uh, think, you know, for from the pers- perspective of a company like Google, this won't really matter. The number of people who will actually do mm-hmm. this are pretty low. Uh, Probably, I mean, the, yeah. fa- the fact is most people don't even install an ad blocker in their browser, right? <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> right. no. This won't really matter for most people. Uh, what, although what it'll actually have the effect of, they're thinking, is, is more you know just making things more transparent and which you know increases security and you know maybe does prevent some of these companies from from doing you know sketchier things with your data or sending sketchier kinds of data out. So it, it's just kind of to make a, a more protective environment. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the general principle. I mean, if for nothing but to make people aware that, you know, the devices in your house could be doing this. I mean, for all I know, the microphone we are using right now is transmitting some data back to I don't know who. But, um, yeah, it it makes sense. But, yeah, I hope they do not go to legislation yeah. for this, at least. And yeah. the, well, um, yeah, I think now, now that I remember better, so that article was actually asking for legislation. And, and one, of, one of the worries they had was... Uh, you know, now that you bring up microphones, this reminded me. Uh, they said something I said in my TV's presence in 2015 could be used against me in 2025. Because now, uh, you know, fair you've got, enough. Yeah, you've got a TV that's constantly recording everything you say in your living room and sending it to external servers to you know process that and turn it into commands and stuff and send it back. You know, it's funny, I'm going to say this now, because when we were talking about the ad blocker, I was going to make a comment and say that, you know, I only installed the ad blocker because I had been streaming some soccer games illegally to block ads on those websites. <laughs> and I was like, but maybe if I say it in the podcast, this might be used against me sometime later. But there, I said it just to make that point. Yeah, okay. you know, you should be aware of these things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, uh, I, I see your point. to break the law is to watch people play soccer. Yep, because it's not easily available, uh, and you gotta watch. You're these truly a sometimes. lost cause, Abbas. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so now that I have exposed myself, and if I ever decide to run for some public position, I'm hopelessly compromised due to this podcast. Okay, I'm definitely uh, leaving that line in then as a protection <laughs> to future generations. <laughs> uh, you're a hero. But anyway, moving on to uh, 
different story. Uh, I'm actually going to talk about an uh, upcoming startup, which is building a very interesting product, which I have been you know, following for a while. Uh, I don't know how to exactly pronounce this name, but I'm again going to spell it out for people and you guys can see what the correct pronunciation is. A-N-K-I. So it's called, I think, Anki, if that's what I'm going to call it on this okay. podcast right now. Uh, so this company basically makes, uh, you know, racing car games, essentially. But physical ones, like where you have a track layout, you have cars which you can control with your iPhone. And these cars are basically, you know, intelligent. They can learn the tracks, you know, they can do different mm-hmm. moves. They can, they have weaponry and stuff like that. So this company yeah. had released a product a couple of years back, which was, you know, pretty popular, but was very limited. And I thought pretty expensive. It was like $200 for... Yeah, very expensive. Two, yeah, exactly. $200 for one track set and a couple of cars. Well, anyway, so they just released a second version. It's called Anki Overdrive. And this version actually has, you know, eight different track designs and which you can, again, customize by attaching different sections. It's not like a pre-built track. It is components. And you can even leverage like common stuff in your house to, you know, elevate certain sections and stuff like that. Again, comes with a couple of cars. But now, you know, it's just that they have increased the number of game modes, which is pretty amazing. And it's cross-platform. So like, for example, you don't have an iPhone, for example, right? Both of us can play. You can control your car using an Android app. I can still play against you controlling my car using the iOS app, for example, which I think is also okay. pretty smart. Yeah, that's and really nice. it has, yeah, it has super interesting game modes like uh, it has King of the Hill. It has a battle mode, which is basically like a first-person shooter combined with a race. And it has, you know, the usual time trial, etc. And so what's the price of this one? 150. Which 150. is, uh-huh, it that's, is, that's I think it's, better. It's it's pretty good, I think, and considering the number of game modes and the things that they have, and, you know, now basically instead of a single track, you get, like, eight track designs, and as you said, you can customize these track layouts to, you know, as much as you want. Also, if you want to play single player, the game comes with, like, 25 AI commanders, so all these cars can be play, you know, controlled by AI also. Like, you can have your one car, and uh, I think it supports a maximum of four, so the other three can be controlled with AI, so... It's basically like a video game at the same time as well, which you can, you know, just play by yourself uh, for a long, long time also. So I'm actually super excited for this, and I actually might be buying this soon whenever they release the full version. I was looking at the demo, and it I would have to say it looks really, really cool. Yeah, it's only two and a half times the price of Mario Kart and has almost all the features. That's amazing. In- <laughs> I know. It, it It comes out on 20th September for people who might okay. be interested, but yeah. So if anybody's looking to give me a gift for Christmas, you guys know what I want, okay? Mm-hmm. This will right. sit right next to your Google Glass. Uh, no, I, I will actually use this, but... Uh, <laughs> There's not a chance you'll ever use this. <laughs> well, I'll use it to thrash you. We were looking for a competition where we could pit our wits again or whatever. This will be that competition now. Anki overdrive. So I mm-hmm. I prefer a competition where I can just physically dominate you. Uh, it's okay. We will have that later also. But first, I will dominate you in this game, and then right. I'll physically dominate you as well. But yeah, it's super cool, and I would encourage everybody to look at the demo videos. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. What's our next story? So Abbas, you're a a fairly dark skinned gentleman. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I assume you've had some issues with uh, face recognition technology over time. No, I never been recognized as a primate, though. You know, like a. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've seen my story then. I mean, this has been all over Facebook. So Andrew Ng made like apology, well, not an apology, but sort of like a clarification on the behalf of machine learning. I have to say. So, yeah. 
Go ahead, but you should tell people what it is, though. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, this was quite a uh, not surprising, unfortunately, but big story here. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Google mm-hmm. in their Photos app, they automatically categorize images. Uh, so you know, if I look at my photos, it'll have like a list of you know people, and it'll show photos of people's faces and things, and it'll have photos labeled by the places I took them, and it'll say like, "Here's your photos of food." Uh, breaks them down mm-hmm. into categories like that. And mm-hmm. uh, one guy uh, found while looking through his photos that a photo of, of one of his friends uh, kept getting marked as a photo of uh, gorillas. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, it's just mm-hmm. you know, him and his friend, they're, they're both black, and, and that's how it ended up uh, classifying the photos. Yep. And the media jumped on it, sensationalizing it, and tagging the machine learning algorithms at Google as racist. Yes. So. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, it's, you know, there, there is racism going into there because they, mm-hmm. they never tested it on black people, presumably, or, the, or just not the, very yeah. extensively. Mm-hmm. The sample size is probably predominantly white or Asian people, yeah, I'm guessing. Because, yeah, there, there aren't many uh, black people working at Google. They Correct. probably mm-hmm. never thought to go outside of Google. They, you know, don't really do mm-hmm. enough to ensure that black people make it into the company. Although this is kind of the whole Bay Area. There's not much you can do here about it. I know. I mean, if people don't test on IE, how would you expect to do this, this sort of thorough testing? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I, I saw that problem. And I, I since I referred to Andrewing, Andrewing was making that point. Well, he was saying that, you know, these algorithms are in their infancy and just probably a genuine honest mistake and not somebody trying to be deliberately racist. But I mean... As you said, the you know inadvertently the sampling for testing these algorithms happen to be a little racist in that sense. But I do think the media, you know, obviously likes to jump on these opportunities and gleefully sensationalize it. So, but uh, Google should have known about this because it was also big news in two thousand nine when oh. a guy working at Best Buy uh, was mm-hmm. you know playing with the HP laptop. And they uh-huh. show, like, it had an automatic facial recognition feature, and it would, like, track your face around. And mm-hmm. uh, the black guy would sit there, and it would just not recognize that there was a face on the screen at all. Oh. so I mean, yeah, I guess this sort of thing does have precedence. I see. Yeah, so there there is a lot of precedent. Or maybe not a lot, but there is some very high-profile precedence of... Uh, you know, facial recognition not working well with black people, and you know, companies really need to be aware of this issue and and proactively deal with it rather than wait for issues to uh-huh. crop up. And I, yeah, I think you're right because you know we all know like how big companies, especially people like Google, how you know protective they are of their image. And I'm sure you know they're whatever whoever the people who sort of vet these products, they you know take out the even the little the littlest thing they might think might harm google and so it's quite astounding that they did not think of a scenario like this and as you said there was precedence to this so that's definitely a failure on some level so yeah okay all right um yeah i hope google improves its algorithms and uh, yeah next time you you know you don't get tagged in a photo with a gorilla sitting in your lap uh and <laughs> which google might tag me as as you referred to earlier but hopefully not uh but anyway Oh, and in uh, Google's moving... defense for for the infancy of their algorithm, uh, another uh-huh. problem it does have is they they were also categorizing dogs as horses fairly often. Uh, that's much more forgivable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. But yeah, so they're 
it the algorithms are pretty rough and it's easy for it to make a huge mistake like that correct yeah and i mean we i think we talked about it last week how the algorithms sort of you know work on a very high level so yeah this sort of thing could Mm -hmm. totally happen yeah yeah, they might have one of their training mm-hmm. uh, pictures of a person might have had a gorilla in it, and they're just throwing gorilla features all over black people. Yeah, it might have just emphasized <laughs> that feature, the that yeah. one particular feature, more and more. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I this mean, is, uh, to be honest, human beings, and as we know, human beings are not that far removed from those primates, so it can happen. Um, anyway, moving on to our next story, which, as I uh, well. This is going to be about Amazon. Uh, not the most heartwarming story, but I think it's important enough that we need to cover it. So Amazon recently changed its model for, you know, how it pays authors who have books on Kindle and, you know, Amazon's lending library. So Amazon used to pay authors by, you know, by per download, essentially, depending on, you know, if a book had been downloaded or not. Now, Amazon has decided to pay authors by the amount of pages actually read on their books, mm-hmm. uh, which now this, uh, this and, is... Not mm-hmm. just their general payment scheme. This is for their Amazon uh, mm-hmm. subscription service where you basically pay a monthly fee and read as much as you want. And then they split mm-hmm. this monthly fee among authors with a different formula. So it, the old formula was was based on uh, you know the number, number of downloads. reads. They would split it based on. But now they're going to base it on the number of pages read. Correct. So I guess, yeah. So Kindle Unlimited and Lending Library are those, I guess, as you said, Mm -hmm. are those sort of unlimited services. Yeah. So, yes. So based on some rough calculations, people have estimated that payments per page could be as low as 0.006 cents, uh, which basically means that uh, for authors getting paid that much would have to write a 220 page book and have every page on that book read by every person downloading it to make the same $1.3 they get from a book being downloaded right now. Uh, which is a lot, honestly. And um, I, ha- I have to say this also raises some interesting questions. You know, for, for example, let's take uh, something like a cookbook, right? Nobody's going to read a cookbook page to page till the end. You probably just look up some recipe or maybe, you know, a couple of recipes and then you close mm-hmm. the book or maybe sometimes even, you know, move on to a new book. So that's going to not make you uh, a lot. Amazon apparently. Yeah, so I, think, defense- I think you've made mm-hmm. the case for what Amazon's doing now, because if you're using a cookbook on this service, then you're going to be checking it very regularly. And perhaps yeah, I you see- shouldn't, you shouldn't mm-hmm. be charged. I, I don't know if they would charge the full book amount every month you use it, or if they would charge. I see. Uh, so just for the one download or what? But if you're mm-hmm. checking it very often, then that's that's you know likely to to net them a more fair amount of money, right? Uh, I guess if that's how it works. And then, this, well, in Amazon's defense, also I was going to come to that part that you know what other things that they're saying that so basically they're saying that people who write like shorter books are at a disadvantage compared to people who are writing bigger books. I guess. Mm-hmm. And it takes so apparently they, to write a bigger book. Absolutely, and they apparently want to cut down on a lot of like uh, like useless erotica or that sort of novels, which apparently have been pervading Amazon, because they want to de incentivize those sort of uh, you know shorter works essentially, which they feel like is sort of also polluting the the environment where people discard these sort of books. So this is also supposed to be a deterrent against that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think overall it's not the worst thing. 
uh, as you mentioned, because of the reasons you mentioned just now. But yeah, let's see how it pays out. Some people are obviously concerned, people who do this for part time, who probably write short stories or, you know, short novellas or whatever like that. So those people are concerned. But let's see. So I did find it interesting that they were uh, because I was reminded of the, you know, the music streaming model, which we had discussed, which is still a problem because a lot of artists essentially get paid a very, very small amount. So it just reminded me of that story. So I just want to mention it. Yeah, as a you know big Amazon supporter, I I don't really see much value in their Kindle Unlimited, but you know for some mm-hmm. people it makes a lot of sense. So oh, as, okay. as an author, you know, it might make it might not make sense to even be on it. I don't know. Yeah. All right, I guess we are coming towards the end of our uh, time here, so we should move on okay. to our award segment, which is the Palo Altonis. So, what All do right. we have as your nomination today? I I want to award the Palo Altoni to Sarah O'Connor for really you know sticking through her Twitter ordeal and 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 still being on Twitter and not just deleting her account. So, you know, pa- Palo Altoni for survival. Wow. Okay. That the last part does gel in with the exact thing which you should have been avoiding, linking her to Terminator. But anyway, uh, I would make my nomination to be the town of. Jun Hun, how you want to call it, and the mayor as a nominee for, you know, technology in civic governance. Now, that's what e-governance really is. Okay, so so we're, we're deciding between two Twitter stories here. Basically, yes. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, it's a win-win for me as a Twitter uh, shareholder. So uh, <laughs> I, I'll, let, I'll let you decide as I'm uh, conflicted out of this one. Uh, I'll actually give it to Sarah O'Connor because I think she's doing a great job raising awareness for workers, etc. And I'm glad that she was, you know, she resisted the trolling by those idiots on Twitter and she'll stayed on there. So, yeah, we'll go with that one. I think the people of June are already quite happy with their uses of Twitter. They don't need our Palo Alto name. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the yardstick we'll use to award it for this week. So it goes to Sarah O'Connor for survival. All right. So congratulations, Sarah O'Connor. Uh, we understand this was a, a serious issue and not to be joked about, and mm-hmm. you know, we're sorry for what's happened to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So now, why don't you tell our viewer, listeners, rather, where can they find our podcast and you know send us their feedback? Yeah, check us out uh, techingball dot com. Search for us on iTunes at uh, techingball. Follow us on Twitter at TechingBall, Facebook.com slash TechingBall, or shoot us an email, TechingBall at gmail.com, which Abbas has promised to check and respond to in a timely manner. I always check it. Uh, All right. With that, uh, everybody have a great 4th of July weekend. And uh, yeah. You you know that this won't be out until the end of the 4th of July weekend, right? Uh, I thought you were editing, so you would probably get it done sooner. Oh. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll see whether I have to cut this line out. (laughs) All right. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. All right. Bye.